Philippians chapter 2, verse 24 and 26. It says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient with wrongs, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. And the scripture is there, it's in your notes. Is 2 Corinthians 2, 24 to 26. Um, it's Corinthians. I love Corinthians. This is 2 Timothy. Okay. All right. We love that one too. Right. This is not, not to be quarrelsome. Do you know, there's so many people, they feel condemned about if there's something not perfect in their physical body. How many of you know we're all still a work in progress? Yeah. We're all still working through. So wherever you are is wherever you are. Isn't that right? Yeah. We're going from faith to faith. We're going from glory to glory. I'm not near as holy and wonderful as I expect to be. I'm pretty awesome right now. <laughs> Feel free to laugh or agree. Yes, hallelujah. It's okay to laugh at church, y'all. It really is. I think our previous speaker proved that as well. All right. It says here that with gentleness, correcting those in opposition, with gentleness. You know, we don't need to have anybody else point the finger and say, well, you just don't have enough faith. Do you know that people have used that as a baseball bat to just bully people with? And it's just not true. It's just not true. There are so many people, they've got faith for salvation, which takes tremendous faith. Going from death to life, that's pretty amazing. But it's so much of time we've got faith for healing, and that's not the issue. But there's something else that's blocking it. There's something else that's keeping you from the receiving the fullness of what the Lord has for you. So it says, with gentleness correcting those in the opposition. When we are in opposition to the kingdom of heaven, a lot of times we don't know that we're in opposition. We're just blissfully ignorant. We don't know. How many of you ever had the Lord just kind of surprise you with a correction one day? I have. Plenty of times. I'm going on my merry way and the Lord says, um, Donna. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know. And then he tells me something. I remember one time the Lord said, to, said something to me and I said, that is not true. Don't tell me you don't argue with God. You know, when the first thought comes, you know, I remember this years and years ago. The Lord said to me, you're just full of pride. I thought, no, I'm not. Y'all know that's a prideful statement. <laughs> One time I was doing a deliverance service, and uh, I got a short story because I had a short time. I was doing a deliverance service, and we were casting out a spirit, and we began to cast out spirit of pride. He says, I don't have that one. <laughs> I might have had all the rest of them, but I don't have that one. Deliverance is fun sometimes. <laughs> Alright, but it says if God may grant them repentance. When we're in opposition with the kingdom of heaven, we require gentle correction to understand where we err so we can escape from the devil's snare. Notice it says here, escape from the snare of the devil being held captive by him to do his will. You know, a snare is something sneaky. A snare is something that creeps up on you. You don't willingly and knowingly walk into a snare. A snare is something that catches you off guard. And there are God's, God's people, many of them, have been caught off guard, unaware, and they are captive. 
and need to be set free. And they don't need condemnation. They don't need to be beat up. Most people are so insecure. They are insecure. What they need is gentle correction. Yes, show the truth. Yes, point a better way. But with the, with the heart of redemption. I'm here to help you not to make it worse. Amen. I'm here to help walk along with you. I am a work in progress. I do not have everything put together 100%. And neither does anybody else except the Lord Jesus. So I want us to look real quickly. Where did sin come from? If we need to have this occasional gentle correction and we found ourselves in opposition, where did it come from? It did not come from Adam and Eve. It came before Adam and Eve. There was an archangel called Lucifer. Lucifer is a nice name. It means light bearer. That's actually a very nice name, light bearer. Well, Lucifer, the Bible says, iniquity was found in him. Sin was found in him. He began perfect, one of God's highest creations, but iniquity was found in him, and he became corrupt. He decided that he was going to rebel against God. Now, you know, you think about it. You've got to be a pretty powerful being to decide you could take God. And he also had to be insane. I believe that Satan is insane. I believe that he's evil, an evil genius, but is insane. And we don't want to be in agreement with that. In his rebellion, he rebelled, and a third of the angels were swept away with him, and they were cast out of heaven. I do believe that was a short argument. Um, I believe that when they rebelled against the Lord, I don't think it took much longer than the New York Minute um, for him to say enough of this, and, and anarchy was put down. Satan, Lucifer's name was changed to Satan, which means no longer is he light bearer, but he is now adversary, because that's what Satan means. It means adversary. And therefore, he opposes everything that is good. Everything that is good. And so therefore, Satan hates God, hates you, hates the Word of God, hates everything in God's creation, and is bent on its destruction and overthrow. So if we find ourselves ensnared, we might find ourselves working in harmony and a cooperation with the enemy who wants to destroy everything that is good. Alright? So this is where it pays for us to wise up and understand what is happening with the, with the enemy forces and what God's intentions are. Understand that sin began in a high-level angelic creature. A high-level angelic creature who understands humanity far better than we understand ourselves. Who has had years and years and years of experience and success in many areas in dealing with people wreaking to destroy and kill and mar God's creation. Isn't that true? So, now that we see... We see that in Genesis 1.31, it says, God made all that He had made, and behold, it was very good. Not just a little bit good, not just kind of good, but everything God made was very good. Hallelujah. Very good. And it says, you know, Eve in the morning were the sixth day. When God made Adam and Eve, they were sinless. They were very good. They didn't have anything going wrong with them. Adam and Eve had a wonderful, loving relationship with God. 
They were had an open communication with him. They had afternoon walks with him. They had free flowing communication. They had a perfect marriage. Adam and Eve had wonderful communication, respect, and love for one another. They enjoyed supreme health. Everything was picture perfect. It couldn't have been any better. They were at peace. Adam and Eve did not understand fear. They didn't know what it meant to be nervous or self-conscious, any of those things, because they were completely at peace, they were happy, and they were supremely healthy until they sinned. Well, guess what? Satan wanted to destroy that peace, destroy that happiness, and destroy that perfection that was there. So in Genesis 3-1, he finds the serpent. He finds the serpent, and he plants a seed, a thought, into the serpent. And so the serpent goes up to Eve and asks a question. So, as God said, you're not supposed to eat you know, from everything. Notice that Eve doesn't freak out and goes screaming, Adam, the snake's talking! She enters into conversation. Do you ever think about that? Come on, what happens if you would go home tonight and little, little, you know, frisky, whoever, your pet, came up and said, well, how was the meeting tonight? <laughs> what would you do? You'd probably get all excited and run call somebody. Frisky's talking to me tonight. But you see, obviously, communication with the animal realm was not uncommon. Because Eve doesn't freak out. She just says, well, you know, God said this. <coughs> Y'all ever notice that when you read that? It's an interesting scripture, isn't it? So she carries on the conversation. Hallelujah. And as you know, she is tempted and she takes of the fruit. She gives to her husband who is with her. With her. Not off in the field somewhere, oblivious to all of this. Some people act like Adam was so innocent. Adam was standing right there seeing what was happening with what was going on with Eve. I think that's an important point to bring out. Particularly there are some Christian groups that um, take issue with that. So in verse, let's look what happened. They both eat, and then in verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. This is the first time they have ever been afraid of God. They have never been nervous in His presence, never had any qualms about Him whatsoever. God was their best friend. All they had known was daily friendship with God. So for the very first time, they got nervous about seeing God. This was a brand new experience for them. They'd never had a reason before. What happened was, when they had disobeyed the command of God, it allowed an invisible kingdom of darkness to gain access to them. Because they were no longer doing what God said, they were doing what, what Satan had suggested. So now Satan had an access to them because they listened to the voice of the tempter. And now there was a whole internal change that happened on the inside. Technically they died spiritually. And they were able 
to hear both God and Satan at the same time. But the problem is, was they got the voices mixed up, and they thought when they heard Satan's voices, they thought they were their own thoughts. See, Adam and Eve had, had no reason to be afraid of God before. No reason whatsoever. Immediately they have shame, fear, guilt. You know, think about this. Adam and Eve were not like us. We had sinful parents. Even if you grew up in a loving, warm home, they didn't do everything right. We had sinful parents. Eve never knew what it was to get rejected by your high school boyfriend. They'd never been laughed at by the kids on the bus. They'd never had any of the pain and disappointments that you and I have experienced growing up. Sometimes we have looked at Adam and Eve and think, man, I've done better than that. No, you wouldn't. Because you already came to this earth with the deck stacked against you. They had absolutely perfect father, and they had no reason to disobey him, but still, they did. God knew that they would. Thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God. But see, they were experiencing these feelings, these emotions, that had never, they were alien to them. I can imagine the confusion that entered into Adam and Eve when all of a sudden shame and guilt and these things are coming in. And you know what's going to follow that is the accusation because God says, um, <clears throat> did you eat the food I told you not to eat? What does Adam say? It's her fault. And I'm, I imagine her looking at him saying, excuse me, you were standing right there. But what does she say? She said, well, it was a serpent. So we have an accusation going. Now, I don't know about you, but if your husband or your wife ever pointed the finger at you and said, it's your fault, you might have an issue with them later on. Already, division has come into this marriage. Already, blaming and pointing the finger has come. There's no longer covering of one another, but now there's blaming, accusation, because you see what? God is not about blaming and accusing. God's about covering. But Satan is known as the accuser of the brethren. And what happened was as they opened themselves up to that satanic realm, they began to take on the thoughts, the emotions of the satanic realm. A whole new experience. A whole new ballgame. They begin to hide from God. You know, people on a conviction hide from God. They don't want to come around. I remember that. I remember being on a conviction and didn't want to be around any godly people. They made me nervous. Not because they said or did anything, but just the fact that I knew they were godly made me want to hide from those people. Anybody else used to be a sinner like me? Okay, just so know what the only one in here. All right. Romans 5.12 says that therefore just as one through one man sin entered the world, death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sin. So sin entered the world and consequently also, subsequently, the human race. Because it wasn't too much longer after Adam and Eve's sin that their boys also got into trouble. Um... Everything was perverted. You know that up until this time, the serpent was a good creature. Because everything God made was good. 
up until this time. When the Lord cursed him, he said, it's because of what you have done. Now he said, you're cursed, you're going to crawl on your belly. This means that he wasn't crawling on his belly before. You know, before the fall, things were different. Obviously, the serpent was upright and talked. Afterwards, he crawls on his, his belly, and there's not any communication going on. And the curse continues. Um, God talks about there's going to be problems between you and the woman. There's going to be problems between um, your kids. There's going to be problems in childbirth. There's going to be problems in, in agriculture. You're going to plant things. You're going to wind up with thistles and thorns. You're going to have hard labor. You're going to sweat. You know, Adam had never sweat from hard labor before. Now it was going to be hard. The things that used to produce for him financially, agriculturally in his life were now hard to produce. Now they were difficult. Everything that God had created was good. It started out great. But because of sin, everything became perverted. From, sin, from that time on, Satan and his kingdom have used humans to express evil nature. As, you know, Pastor Tammy was talking about earlier this evening, how that you have to have a physical body to do your ministry here on the earth. You need to have an earth suit and to be able to function here. But you know what? That evil spirits are also looking for a way to operate and to function in the earth. And so because they don't have the natural body, they're looking for you and for me. And so they find access where they find disobedience to God's word. They find access where they find the wounding and the pain that gives them expression. But we're no longer listening to what God has said. We're listening to the voices of another kingdom. It wasn't too long after Adam and Eve fell that Satan influenced Cain to become jealous of his twin brother Abel's offering. Do you remember the story? Cain and Abel were twin brothers born to Adam and Eve. And Abel brought the lamb from his flock, and Cain wanted to bring the vegetables. And because Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's was not, he decided to kill him. This was a religious murder based upon religion. You know, religion will kill people. The first murder was religiously inspired. Also, we see it was Satan who put it into Judas Iscariot's heart to betray Jesus. You see, he plants a thought. He plants a seed. And if you and I do not take that thought captive and resist it, we'll wind up becoming an expression, not of God in the earth, but of an evil spirit. Our thoughts come from three sources. They come from ourselves, they come from God, and they come from Satan's kingdom. Every thought that comes through your head is not you. How many of you ever had God tell you something and you thought it was just you? I have. God's telling me, oh, that's just me. And then you come to find out, no, that wasn't just you. That was God who put a thought on the inside of you. By the same token, there are things that Satan has put within our thoughts that we thought was us. And you see, Satan loves to counterfeit. Somebody walks by, you come to church one Sunday morning, Pastor Tammy walks right by you and doesn't speak. What happens? Satan says, she's snubbing me. She must be mad at me. And you think that is your thought. That's not your thought. It's a thought masquerading to see if you will buy into it and make it your thoughts. You see? Martin Luther said, 
The birds may fly over your head, but you don't have to let them build a nest in your hair. So a thought may pass by, but you don't have to make it home, make it comfy. You don't have to entertain and give place. When thoughts come, recognize if it's not edifying, exhorting, if it's not coming from the heart of God, then you need to you know, put that thing away. It's to bring every thought captive, the Word says, to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? Consider that once Adam and Eve had yielded to the temptation, consider the change in their relationship now. Not only has accusation come in and division has come in, Blaming each other for the trouble they're now in. It's now your fault. It's now his fault. There's also self-condemnation. I'm sure Eve was full of self-condemnation. Why did I take that, that first fruit? Why didn't I just obey what God says? And Adam, why didn't you stop me? Don't you know, this is how people are. I'm going to Adam and Eve are people. And once they had been contaminated and influenced, they began to behave just like you and I would behave. Come on. We know how people live. Isn't that right? Okay. All right. But God in His mercy. Do you know that God's heart was broken? God's heart was broken. These were people He enjoyed such communion with. And to watch them shy away, hide from Him, run away, don't want to see Him because how bad they feel, His heart is broken. He still wants fellowship. He still wants them close, but their own condemnation in their hearts won't let them come close. In His mercy, God drives them out of the Garden of Eden. The reason being, there were two trees in the Garden. The other tree was the Tree of Life. If they had taken of the Tree of Life, they would have been permanently in that fallen state. And God wanted to make sure there was a hope of redemption. So he drove them out, put the cherubim in front of the tree, so they would never go and take it and be stuck forever and ever in that fallen state. Mm. I believe Adam and Eve are in heaven today. I believe they were held in captivity, and they heard the message of Jesus Christ, and I believe they received it. That's my personal belief. We'll find out if I'm right or not. We'll find out. When we accept Satan's thoughts, we sin and we become ensnared. And sometimes the temptation to believe the wrong thing is so strong. Sometimes it has such an emotional impact. You feel rejected. You feel offended. You feel these things. And there's no truth to it, but it's how you feel. You know? And your perception becomes your reality. When we accept his thoughts, Satan's thoughts, we sin, become ensnared. And because we are accepting his thoughts, we wind up being opposed to our help, to ourselves. You know, the Bible says that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But if you walk around feeling like I'm just an unworthy worm, you know, I'm just unworthy, I'm just a mess, I'm not fit for anything, and call it being humble. Y'all, that's not being humble, that's being stupid. You know what true humility is? 
say it about what yourself, what the Word of God says about you. Yes. And the Word of God says, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So therefore, our righteousness is not based upon my feelings. It's based upon the truth of God's Word. Right? I have been accepted in the Beloved, the Bible says. You know, there's some days I don't feel accepted. Some days I feel rejected. Some days I've got the evidence around me that says I've been rejected. But the Lord says that He, that even if my mother and my father forsake me, that the Lord Himself would take me up. Isn't that right? So you see, we have to get our belief system out of the Word of God and what God says about us. Because we live in a fallen world where everybody around us, all the voices are telling you how awful you are, how terrible you are. You'll never amount to anything. What a disgrace for a Christian you are. Well, guess what? How are you going to go take on, you know, be a champion with that kind of attitude? It's not going to happen, is it? And there's so many Christians I've talked to, they feel so unworthy because of the health problems they're facing right now. Some of them I know, I was talking to a woman who, because of an injury that happened as a child, you know, beating herself up for not being healed. Why does the devil need to beat yourself up if you're going to do it all the time? You know, if you had a close friend who told you how awful you were every day, you'd change friends, wouldn't you? What, you know, what do you tell yourself? You're going to have to get your mind renewed with the Word of God and begin to believe what God's eternal Word says about you, not your emotions or not what your experience tell you. And it doesn't matter what was told to you as a child. It's what does God say about you because His opinion is the one that matters. Amen? And we're going to get ourselves adjusted to His opinion and let His love pour into our hearts to where we have that place of security and wholeness in Him. Because, see, God is hungry for fellowship. God is wanting us to come to Him and not run away because of shame, because of guilt, because of all of these past things, whatever excuses people use. You know that I noticed in the Gospels that Jesus was surrounded by sinners. The prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners that loved him. How do they feel when they come to church today? Do they feel that same love and acceptance? Or do they feel condemnation? You know? Just a thought. Alright. If we are disobedient in our personal lives, it's going to affect our children and generations to come. Adam and Eve's sin affected their children. You can look through other examples of the scripture. You know, you look at Abraham. Abraham goes and lies. She's not my wife. What does his son do? Same thing. She's not my wife. What happens to their kids? Let's pull one over on dad. I'm the son. I'm the number. There was lie and deception that went for generation after generation after generation. When we open the door for some of these things, we have opened it for future generations. The good news is that when we stop and we repent, we can bring a stop to things to continue to perpetuate. Now, our children are responsible for God for their own behavior, understand. But we can draw a line and stop a lot of things that have been going on for generation to generation. One reason we are seeing such a horrible mess in the world today is because of the accumulation of sin over the years. Because there's not been enough repentance. There's not been enough people to change what they were doing. And so we have broken generations who are promoting and propagating future broken generations. And it's a mess. 
And the only thing that's going to fix it is the truth and the love of God. Amen. Because we are in the midst of a broken society. Are we not? And we see it happens, you know. The fatherless generation produces fatherless generation. That's what the Lord says that before He returns, He's sending the Spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers. And this is what has got to happen. And praise God, there are ministries right now that are devoted to healing between generations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 26.2 says, Like a sparrow in its flitting, and a swallow in its flying, so a curse without cause does not alight. Sickness and disease is a curse. God doesn't make you sick to teach you something. It's a curse from the enemy. There are some people who feel like that God wants them sick. If God wants you sick, don't go to the doctor. Right? I look at the Gospels. Jesus healed everyone who came to Him. He did not heal everyone. But those who came to Him, He healed. And that's where I get my theology. If we will go to Him. Some of them He gave instructions. Go and sin no more. Did He not? Right? He healed them, some instantaneously, some he sent his word, some had to do something, you know, pack mud in the guy's eyes. There were, there were numbers, uh, numerous ways that he healed. But the bottom line of it, he says, if you want to know what God is like, look at me. And I believe that God wants people well. I believe he wants them healthy and strong enough to fulfill their destiny and calling. Hallelujah. So, well, I'm pretty healthy. I believe that even minor ailments are a curse. Hemorrhoids are a curse. They are a curse. One translation, I don't know if y'all remember, there's a story in the Old Testament about Philistines. Remember the ark they took and they would try to, um, you know, one translation for hemorrhoids there is hemorrhoids, that God struck them with hemorrhoids. Even minor ailments are a curse. Allergies are a curse. Hay fever is a curse. Hypertension is a curse. These things are beneath what Jesus Christ died for. I can't imagine Jesus with hay fever. I can't imagine him with shingles. These things are curses, but some these things are so common. People even talk about cold and flu season. There is no such thing as cold and flu season. There is winter, spring, summer, and fall. <laughs> there is not cold and flu season. Well, if you get wet, you'll get a flu. You'll get the cold. Then we should never shower. <laughs> Some of the stupid things that people come up, come up with. Y'all, even minor ailments... Sometimes we get passive. Well, it's just a little headache once in a while. Ah, it's just a little crick in my neck. It's just, you know what? I don't want anything wrong with any of you. I want you to be 100% whole. I want us all to get our eyes 100% healed. Your teeth 100% healed. Hallelujah. Amen. Instead of being concerned about health care, let's just get healthy. Yes. You know, you don't need that stuff if you're never sick. Never go to the doctor. You don't need it. Let's get healed. There is a reason why sickness has landed. Without condemnation, folks, there's a reason. I remember many years ago, I had come down with a condition that required, that required surgery. And I was 20, 
one, whatever years old. I'm laying there in the bed, and I'm thinking, why did this happen? You know what they told me? These things happen. I just didn't believe it. I never did believe that. I always believed there was a reason something was going on. Even if medicine didn't understand, there was a reason that I was going to have a condition in my body that requires surgery. And I believe that there's a reason for anything that deviates from perfect health that Jesus Christ has died for us. And it's God's attention. God designed this body to be well. He designed it to heal. He designed it to repair itself, right? You cut your finger, you expect it to be healed, right? You expect to recover. You expect to be strong. If it's not happening, I want to know how come it's not happening. And I don't want to hear a religious thing. I want to know the truth. Would it interest you to know that maybe there's a connection between something Satan injected? Would it interest you to know that maybe it was a spirit of fear, or it's envy, or it's jealousy? You know, I read things in my Bible that says envy is a rottenness of the bones. Well, I read that. How many of y'all read that and just kind of thought, okay, and just blew right over it because we didn't know what it meant? I read things in the, in the Word of God that they, I, I began to wonder. Maybe this is not just poetic. Maybe this is literal. Maybe God was serious when He said the life was in the blood. Maybe there was something else He meant that requires a little bit of a deeper dig. There are times we've looked and seen things that have gone down through family lines. And some of it has been curses. I've known family lines where their eldest son always dies. Y'all, that is not God. That is a curse, right? I've seen times where you know, you'll see something comes down through a family line of disease, and it skips one, but then it comes back and goes to another. Even when you go to a doctor, they want your medical history. Why is that? Because they're looking for the curses. What is it is happening in your family line? Well, I want us to be able to walk in there and say, I have been redeemed from the curse in entirety. There is nothing that has been carried over into my family line. Because I have gone in by the grace of God and drawn a line and said, this far and no more. Amen. Amen. If it takes a creative miracle, it takes a creative miracle. You know, God's not limited. Hallelujah. We can get creative miracles all day long. But there are some things that God wants us to understand about spiritual law and effect. How these things operated. You know, it's like spiritual, it's like natural law. What goes up must come down. Right? You plant corn in your field, what do you get? Corn. It's because of something that has been sown. Right? So what is going on? We need to have some understanding so that we can get free. This means that, folks, it's going to take some humility to understand how this got access. How did that thing find an open door and get in here? Where was my defense down? Where was I agreeing with the enemy? How did it happen? How many of y'all ever lived in a place where when the weather got cold, the field mice tried to get in? Uh, I, I lived out in the country one time in an old house, and when the, when the weather got cold, boy, they wanted to get warm. And I found myself plugging holes. I was like, you look outside in the field, I'll leave you alone. You come to my house, you die. That's my attitude about it. And so I was plugging holes because I wonder how they got in. 
Folks, we need to be just as aggressive when there is something showing up in your life that is not a, that is not a blessing. There's something that's a curse. We want to find out how the heck that thing get in there. Let's find out. Let's be humble about it. Well, it's because you've got this gaping big hole over here. Well, instead of feeling bad about it, let's just go plug it up. Amen? You ready to plug up some holes? Hallelujah. I'm ready to plug up some holes. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, to be sober, to be on the alert for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know that he is seeking somebody to devour. That means he can't devour everybody. He could not devour Jesus Christ. Don't you know he tried? When Jesus laid his hands upon the lepers, don't you know he tried to get that leprosy on Jesus if he could have found a way? When Jesus is healing people with fevers and contagious diseases, he never got sick. Jesus said, the wicked one comes, he says, but he finds nothing in me. See, the curse found no place to land. So let's not feel bad. Let's just find out where's the landing strip. Where did I open it up? And let's get that thing closed and dealt with. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want us to pray tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we have seen in your word that you had a plan for humanity, that which you created. Lord, Adam and Eve had a perfect experience. They had a perfect marriage. They were in perfect harmony with your creation. They didn't have allergies. They didn't have fear. They didn't have shame. Lord God, they walked in perfect relationship with one another and with creation. So, Father God, we have seen that there have been some ways that the devil has found access. Father, we don't blame Adam and Eve, but we want to take responsibility for our own condition. And so, Lord God, I'm asking you right now by the Holy Spirit that you would begin to open our hearts this weekend and begin to show us where it is that perhaps we have inadvertently been caught in a snare that somehow we've been snuck up on. Maybe something has come down through our family line and we didn't even realize it because we thought that's just the way we were. That's just how we are in this family. That's how redheads are. That's how men are. We bought into things that were not your heart, not your ideal. So Holy Spirit, your word says, the Word says you will lead us into all truth. So I'm asking you, Lord God, to lead us into all truth and give us the courage and the grace to face with humility the places where we may be opposing ourselves and opposing you. And Lord, that we not enter into condemnation, but Lord, that we be able to take affirmative action and say, God, today, with your help, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to resist the work of the enemy. No longer will I be one who has been devoured. Hallelujah. But I'm not going to be such easy pickings any longer. Because I'm going to keep my shields up, keep my defense. As Adam was charged in Eden, Lord God, you told him to guard and to keep the garden, to keep trouble out. Lord God, help us to become good caretakers, to keep trouble out, to keep the forces out that would seek to destroy us 
destroy our lives. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Lord God, we got a destiny to fulfill. Hallelujah. May you live long on the earth and prosper. May you fulfill all that God has dreamed for you. Hallelujah. You've got a calling. You've got a ministry. God has invested quite a bit in you. And there's people who are waiting for you to come to them with the power and the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's somebody waiting for you to come show them some good, that you believe in the power of God. Is there anybody here tonight in pain right now? If you're in pain, I want you to come here. I want to pray for you quickly, as quickly as you can. Do not hurt yourself further. But if you're in pain, I felt this afternoon the Lord wants to address pain tonight. We're not going to, you know what? God is sovereign. He is merciful. I want pain to go tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. And whatever uh, pastors or staff want to come assist, I just want to just, let's just pray and believe God for healing from pain.